And hello everyone, welcome back to Top of the Card. We are weaving, winding, something into 2022. We're running with it. I'm your co-host, Scott. Joining me are four friends to talk about wrestling. This is Top of the Card Pod on Twitter. It is on Spotify. It is on YouTube. It is wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, this is going to be a special one because we are talking about the best of 2021. Uh, are, are we late? No, because others have done it around this time frame. We want to make sure everything is done and give fair look at everything. Starting off, though, let's go around the table and see who's here. CT, how are you doing today? I'm great. I am here. I am present. And I have a lot of great stuff to talk about. It's like a positive episode. So that's that's nice. It It is actually very positive because, yes, there's no, like... Who's the worst this or what's the worst? We're not we're not doing that. We, we know and we have our opinions. And if you've heard our prior episodes, you probably know what a lot of that is. But we're not really like this is the best stuff. The things that we liked about it and uh, to keep going through positivity. Bear me. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, except it's really cold here. But other than that, doing pretty well. Rumble season is upon us. My favorite time of the year for wrestling. So I'm hyped and I'm hyped to do this podcast tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, too. Uh, it is very cold. Uh, for those who have been listening as well to us talk about that stuff, it's stupid cold here. Minus 40 with wind uh, Celsius, which, yeah, shut up. Uh, speaking of cold, from the beaches in Ohio, GMSG, how you doing? Frozen solid, like the hopes of AEW. <laughs> Having their beach blast tonight, live as we talk, actually, Wednesday night, Dynamite night. Uh, have they shown the beach at all? This uh, anything, or is it just their Florida footage? Oh, that footage was so bad. <laughs> oh my god, but I have no idea. But you're good otherwise. Yeah, just cold. Okay, yeah, we're all cold. Red, are you cold? Oh yeah, oh, we yeah. uh, <laughs> we had about six inches this past week. This next week we got anywhere from seven to fourteen. So lots and lots of snow for a normal beach state. And see, they need to come back to you because uh, we didn't talk about if you're cold or not. Because you're never cold with your. Uh... No, it's freezing. Yeah. I'm, I'm not actually freezing. I'll yeah. give you that. How, like, how it cold is... is it? Oh, well, let me pull it up. Hold on. Yeah. No, because let's, let's compare this. Let's talk about actual been cold. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has been 69 degrees Fahrenheit. Nice. AKA, let's see if that trend. Yeah, 21 degrees Celsius. So it's been freezing. Like positive 21? Celsius or yeah, positive 21. That's a nice day in the summer. Well, I'm fully in the jackets. <laughs> I have my heat on every day. Um, really out here just feeling like I'm in a blizzard. So It is actually only minus 9 Celsius right now. Just for reference, it had been minus 40 for most of the week. So if you want to do math on that, minus 32 is the same for both. So there's your frame of reference. But uh, that's the now. Let's talk about the past. Let's dive into that. Because we do have some news. We do this bi-weekly on top of the card and we have some stuff to talk about for new topics we'll get to but we are going to dive into what we considered the best of 2021 we've got a bunch of topics we've some of us been taking notes all through the year and looking back on it i go what when i see some of my notes but you know it was in the moment uh but we've got a bunch of things we're going to be going over here our top three for stuff like the male and female of the year heel and face team stuff like that and of course match as well Lots of AEW surely to be represented by all of us. 
I just... But uh, let's dive in. Uh, we didn't talk about the order we want to go. Do we want to just dive in with Wrestler of the Year, male and female, and, and just dive right in? Or do you want to build up to that? Let's see. Let's see. Let's start with... So we're not going AEW style. No. No. We're okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we're definitely not. So let's yeah, go. Yeah. Well, let's start with newcomers. And let's do rookie. Let's talk about rookie of the year. That's a fun one to do, right? Yeah. That'll be first. And that'll be uniformly agreed upon. Uh, for rookie, we did talk about this actually a fair bit, considering what is a rookie. And we looked at people who really debuted in 2021. Uh, I know we actually internally had talked about MSK, but they had been the Rascals for many years prior, stuff like that. N not a rookie. So things like that. Yeah, some guys might have had some dark matches here and there, but f largely we went with people who basically debuted in 2021 and how they've done. Uh, I'll start off just because I'm the one with the spreadsheet and got my thing here and I'm going through and I'll go three, two, one. Uh, my number three is actually bad bunny because he's a rookie with one match and it was pretty fun and pretty great and very surprising. And honestly, I still remember everything Rab said about how awesome that was and how awesome everything he did was. And it really stuck with me. So that's my number three. My number two is almost red's favorite. Uh, Omos, or however you say that, the AJ's personal Colossus, uh, just delivered on everything when he had that Mania kind of debut. Yeah, he was the big bouncer and the giant ninja, but really, this is his rookie year. And he could, I don't want to say he could do no wrong, but it felt like that, because everything just kind of clicked and worked with me. And he was my runaway number one until Braun Breaker kind of just came out of nowhere, quite literally, and we're not counting 2022, so he wasn't NXT champion during this year, but he did everything right as kind of like, this is clearly going to be the face of the brand, and he's pulling it off. And he is my rookie of the year for 2021. Uh, Red, do you want to go next? Um, I'll do the same. Go 3-2-1. Unfortunately, this is my number three, even though I can't stand him, and I don't think he's going to be the future. I mean... Out of the amount of rookies we could pick most, I mean, he debuted at WrestleMania, which is a big thing. Uh, again, number two, Braun Breaker winning the title. This, like, I know that was a little after 2021 ended, but his build-up to it was great with Chomp. And my uh, number one is Reggie. He actually held the title in 2021. I mean, he started off as a sommelier for Carmella, and then he had, like, a love triangle with Nia and finally just got put into the 24-7 and wrecked it literally all, every single episode run MTV every week. He of the year, that be it for me. Uh, Bear me, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, I will. Um, from 3-2-1. My number three, I, okay, we we did this for rookies based on like oh, in like the bigger promotions, because like I know this person's wrestled for a little while. But uh, my number three is Roxy. Because she kind of came on the scene, won the Women of Honor, Ring of Honor tournament, and then won the championship, which she eventually lost, but that was in 2022. But yeah, she was my number three. Number two was Braun Breaker. He, like you said, he just came on a war path, and you could tell that this was going to be the future. He's beloved by everybody. I haven't heard anybody say really a bad thing about him. And number one is uh, Carmelo Hayes the NXT North American champion who has just had a stellar year. Him and him with Trick Williams, it's one of the best things going on in NXT. So 
yeah, those are my three. Yeah, I would definitely say Roxy does qualify. Hayes was one, like, it was kind of like border, but I would say he counts definitely because the stuff he did prior was really not... I don't want to, like, belittle it, but it he did... He was in the breakout tournament, so <laughs> it, it was... Yeah. It was newcomers. I know, I think Joe Gacy was too, and he's anything but a rookie, but you know what I mean. Like, it, he, he's that border we were talking about, like, who qualifies, and he definitely does. Uh, GMSG, go with you next. So... I also went with Carmelo Hayes. Guy showed up. He did a lot of indies, but again, we're going off like kind of the like big five, six promotions. He shows up. He instantly goes into the North American title. Yes, North American title, and then he unified the Cruiserweight title into the North American title. God, I still switch those two up a lot. Second person would be Braun Breaker, since he instantly got thrusted into the world title picture without any indie experience, it seems, because I couldn't find any on the indies at all for him. And the only reason this guy gets ahead of them with almost is because he's done it at like start off at WrestleMania time and in the biggest shows with the tag team of AJ and has been entertaining. Obviously, I think the other two have way more room to grow than almost can. I think he's getting close to his ceiling. Is that a height joke? Oh, no, but that's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, technically the unification was 2022, but it was like three days in. So again, the build is everything for that with the New Year's thing. But uh, but CT, to round out our rookies and potentially see if anybody can unseat Braun Breaker because he was my number one and then three number twos. So I think he is, I think he's the top of the card rookie of the year, but what have you got for your rookies? I'm happy you brought up that height joke and calling that out because it would have gone over my head. Um, so my three, first one, a little bit weird, Roxy. Now, I've not seen Roxy wrestle. I've not got a chance to see the ROH pay-per-view she was on. But going off accomplishments, being the woman to leave ROH, the the end of the era as ROH Women's Champion, pretty big deal. I hear nothing but good things about her. She obviously is getting a big spotlight with this upcoming match on Impact. I don't know if it's aired or not the unification match it's a pretty big deal so roxy even though i've not seen her is like i think it's pretty undeniable that she deserves to be on the list number two the creed brothers i think they're awesome uh they've been absolutely one of the biggest highlights of nxt 2.0 and they have a ton of momentum they probably are going to be winning the dusty classic they're probably going to become tag champs in 2022 i think for a rookie year they've been probably the biggest standout of nxt 2.0 other than number one, yeah, I mean, it's Braun Breaker. He's world champion, right? He had this feud with Ciampa. A lot of people complained that he was getting rushed into that spot. But he's been able to hold his own. Every match is good. He's been able to feel like a main eventer. He has the momentum. And he did it. He won the NXT championship. I mean, it's really hard to argue, I think, even though that was technically, I guess, out of the year. Still, he had that match. He won in war games. It was a big year for Braun Breaker. And I think at every step, he really impressed and went over what people's expectations were. So I have no issue with all of us kind of declaring him the rookie of the year because he deserves it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the Creed brothers, like they made my list. I'm not seeing anything but clips. They're awesome. Although I didn't feel it was fair to list them technically over others I actually have seen properly. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, there, there's other names uh, that we kind of bandied about, but those clearly were on the same path with a lot of these with a couple Hayes, a few Almoses, a few Roxies, and then Braun Breaker pretty well across the board. Reggie's a good a good one too, though. I, I do like that a lot. I, I considered him a bit as well. But I would have put I would have put Jade Cargill as my fourth and as an honorable mention because she was undefeated. <clears throat> so yeah, Cargill on there. I'm surprised 
beer me. I'm surprised. I know he only really had one match in 2021, but Hook? No, dude, I was going to, yeah. You could have. You could have. But, I mean, technically, I I think he's he's eligible for 2022. Let's be honest here. He had, like, a match. Scott, we haven't got... We haven't gotten to wrestler of the year yet. So. Oh, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, well, bear me, since we're still talking here, do you want to talk about, I don't know, team of the year? All right, yeah. Uh, let's do sort of tag team of the year. Yep. All right, one through three. Uh, number three, RK Bro. They've done nothing but good things. And who would have thought Randy Orton and Matt Riddle would have went together, like serious and the, the comedy act, but it, it's great because Randy's having fun, Matt's having fun, and they've – they beat the Usos at Survivor Series, which was a really, really damn good match. And I just uh, really enjoyed them. Number two, I'm going to go with uh, NXT UK, one of their tag champs. I'm going to go with Pretty Deadly because they had a lot of defenses, and they're really dang good. Hell, that tag division is really good in NXT UK. And number one, I mean, you got to go with the Bloodline. you got to go with the Usos. They've just been putting on banger matches and have had – a hell of a title run, and they're pairing with Roman is just great. So, there's not much more I can say about the Usos because of their accomplishments. They're that good, and that would be my top three for tag team of the year. Dude, you didn't get my team. Oh shit! Well, GMC, let's go with yours then. Well, one I will say, pretty deadly, great choice. I I forgot uh-huh. them. I'm mad about that, but of course I have to go with the them boys, the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't have the titles until the end. Oh, wait, they had the GCW titles. But they were killing it all year. And we were begging for them to win those titles early on. Usos, Bloodline, killed it. They returned together, won the tag titles, and they broke their own previous record of the longest reign of the SmackDown titles. Mm -hmm. Number one, though, because it's teams. Two-man and three-man teams for titles can count. Shane Taylor Promotions held the tag titles all year. I had to go with them. I'm embarrassed to admit I didn't even think of STP. And I was thinking of, like, yeah. the, the the groups or the stables, technically, in that sense. Because they kind of count toward teams now the way they do these things. Where Undisputed Era, all four members are a team, right? Like, So I forgot about that. I forgot about STP. I like Great that a lot. Pick. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, CT. What's your teams of the year? I echo about being very mad that I miss Pretty Deadly because they are pretty great. But I will say, or yeah, that's their name. I don't know what their names are, to be honest. But they're really good. Uh, teams, number three, MSK. When you look at NXT, they've been relevant this entire year. They won the Dusty Classic. They won the tag titles. They had a really solid reign with them for most of the year. Um, I know that the full or the crowd in Florida might not be the biggest fan of them, but I think they've just killed it this year i mean they really have not missed a step i think and they've really elevated themselves as be a top team in that division uh number two is dangerous techers they held the iwgp tag belts multiple times zach saber jr and taichi great team and then number one will be the three-man team of chaos from new japan who held the six-man titles basically all year just like shane T- uh, taylor promotions but like every one of their defenses was a match of the year contender Every they elevated those belts to such a high degree that it's if you watch New Japan, I think it's pretty undeniable. Like they're the best six man unit the company's ever seen, and I think they just absolutely are the best team of the year. I had a feeling you'd be picking someone like that. I, I was kind of hoping for it. Uh, the Tekker surprised me because they kind of came on late in the year toward the summer, I think. But they oh, they wa- they entered the year as um, tag champs. Did they? Oh, 
they were in the t- title picture the entire year. Then what I'm thinking was this past summer was clearly last summer. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's scary. Uh, Red, what about yours? So I went with out of the box ones, sort of, um, or at least my reasoning wise. Sure. Uh, the first one I went with is the Ass Boys, aka the Club, because Damn of Danhausen. I almost wrote Ass Boys. God damn you! <laughs> <laughs> they are the Ass Boys. If you ask what's the name of the team, you'll get Ass Boys more than Gun Club. Um, number two, I went with so uh, they would have been my number ones, but I think Roman's carrying them to relevancy because them on their own were good, but they were elevated to a new level only because of Roman. And number sorry, one, sorry, I have I have to hold. GMSG back. I have to hold him back. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. GMSG's probably frothing at the mouth right now. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. What's your number one? (laughs) Bro, because I got green in the eye, and everything they do is fun, and the hidden innuendos for ones that like me understand, and just for the fact that the two styles work so well against each other, and Randy has lowered himself out of the main event spotlight down to a level the kind of elevate Riddle up to the main event. Like, I think these two eventually are going to split and put on one hell of a match. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that it's going to be really good, those two. And you wouldn't think it, but, yeah, they work really well. I do, I, I love the fact that you are putting the Ass Boys on there and the reason why. That's pretty great. Uh, to round it out, uh, my teams, much like GMSG, my number three is the Briscoes. Uh, like he said, there's really no wrong those guys could do. They just brought an intensity and chaos to it. There's just something different about them when they get going, and especially when they hit GCW, it was ridiculous. It was awesome. They just didn't quite like hit that gear until toward the end, so it was a bit unfortunate. Uh, my number two is Imperium. Marcel Bartel and Fabian Aikner. Those guys killed it. I know it was more toward the end of the year especially with the Von Wagner, Kyle O'Reilly match, but I love damn near everything they were doing. And if you want to be technical, you'd include Walter. He was in Gunther till 2022. But that, like that as a team can probably be included in there. Uh, but my number one is the Usos. Uh, again, similar to what the Pyramid and Jimmy were both saying about them. And actually, Red, you just said too. They're great. I don't think they've been carried. I think they are really good. Yes, they've been elevated up, but they've proven that they can be there. And they're working at that level. So that's, that's my number one as well let's go with moment and surprise how about that that sound that sounds fun i'll start with mine to set this pace here to see what we've got um my number three which is gonna make a lot of AEW people upset was probably the uh, i'm calling it this the adam cole brian danielson double debut because it really was a one-two all-in-one thing um that's about as perfect as AEW can get with a debut type of thing with one after the other uh, I, I loved everything about it. It was fun. It's a large reason why people say that pay-per-view was good. <laughs> it was that, like that, even though it was fun otherwise. Uh, to keep with AEW, yeah. How you do that better is you have CM Punk come back, and that one was done perfect on Rampage. They sold out an arena for a half-hour promo. It was as good as it can get. And it was the unbelievable aspect on top of it. Go back and listen to our podcast talking about that. That's where I've got that one. But my number one moment overall, like moment or surprise or whatever, was Moose cashing in on Josh Alexander and CT and I screaming in the voice chat. And then Moose holding the title belt over Alexander, looking down as his small son covers Alexander. It's just, that's, yeah, that was perfect. That was, yep, that's it. That's my number one moment overall of the year. 
CT, to go to you f- uh, first, second, first, something. What's yours for uh, that kind of stuff? I'm so mad I did not put Moose on my list because that is an incredible moment. You can't. But you always could. Uh, no, I can't. Looking at these, I can't, though, right? Like, number three, CM Punk returning. As you mentioned, I mean, unbelievable to a certain degree that CM Punk would return. But out of everything AEW's done, like, that moment was perfect. There's not a better way, in my opinion, you could do that and have that segment and structure the show around it and get the crowd. And we kind of complained going into it, like, oh, they're making it too obvious that he's going to be there. But, like, no, it was perfect. It was one of the best wrestling moments of the modern era. I mean, it is genuinely perfect. I don't know how you, you know, you get better than that. Um, Number two is going to be Bianca Belair winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. We talked about it extensively on our WrestleMania review. But winning that in the main event of WrestleMania was such an impactful moment for so many people. And it really felt like just one of those moments where, like, no matter what side of the company war you're on, no matter what your thoughts on the company was or what your thoughts on Vince was or whatever the fact, it felt like everyone came together in that moment. And it was such a big deal when you really think about it and they handled it perfectly it was a great match to be back in front of fans for that moment it was really great um but there was not a single moment this year that made me kind of feel as emotional as kota abushi i'm just gonna call it kota abushi becomes god at wrestle kingdom 15 night two he won the title on night one he had a 45 minute war with jay white that a lot of people thought he was gonna lose and then afterwards i think kevin kelly gives the best performance from a commentator i can think of and you get the moment of kotobushi walking these gigantic stairs finally holding up the titles and it really felt like something that you know the new japan audience wanted for years and to get that moment and really cement him the top place of the company you have the announcers giving him a standing applause it it was perfect um there's not a single moment this year that really comes close to the emotions of that moment and even looking back at it now and i've rewatched it several times it is flawless um but these are three i i think perfect moments and if you include moose in there to have a year with four moments of this power of this like poetic beauty it's it's a really impressive year actually well, bear me. I don't know how we top that, but I'll go to you next. What's your moment? Uh, number three, I have one of CTs. It was Sasha and Bianca man eventing WrestleMania with Bianca winning the title. Two women of color, first time ever. It, it was just amazing, and Bianca winning it was the icing on the cake, as you could say. My number two, I'm going to go a little weird here. I'm going to go to the uh, Lights Out unsanctioned match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa where Britt Baker was just with that picture of Britt Baker that was she was just covered in blood and like it kind of made her into the star that she is now with that match like we all knew she was really good and then that kind of like catapulted her I really think that's kind of an iconic moment in the women's division in that in AEW which they don't really have too many iconic you know things in that division and number one for me was uh, Adam Page winning the AEW world title because everybody wanted it and we were wondering when it was going to happen and it finally happened. And it was one of the best feel-good moments of the year for me personally. I know I was hyped about it, you know, cowboy shit. So those would be my three. Even though you didn't get to see it live because they did what they did? That exactly. I was mad about it. But that didn't sour you on it? It still was, like, it was even better when it finally happened? or It was worth the wait. 
worth the wait. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Red, what are your best moments, favorite moments, surprises? So uh, I have to start off with number one was Bad Bunny doing a Canadian Destroyer at WrestleMania. Um, I know that Morrison had to do most of the work, but the fact that they were able to get a celebrity of his caliber to do a move that could have gone horribly wrong and went through with it is a big thing because normally celebrities will do a, a spot here or there are falling, but an actual flip where you break your neck was a big shock. Um, Becky returning at SummerSlam and beating Bianca in 26 seconds. I don't think any of us saw. I know a lot of us thought uh, Becky would return, but the fact that she won in 26 seconds and not like a full-length match was a big shock. Um, and I'm not sure this one's going to be a great one on the board, but uh, the barbed wire exploding death match in AEW was probably the shock moment of the year because I really have never seen a exploding barbed death match before. Went all into this thinking it's going to be great, and that was the worst shit show I think I've seen all year. ECW can put a better show on with all their old guys right now. I, I don't know what the hell happened with the pyro, the the move set. Maybe this is just a poor attempt from AEW, or barbed wire exploding death matches aren't that good. So, so that's your number three moment of the year. Uh, number one. Oh, you, sorry. I, you you started with number one, saying it was Bad Bunny. Um, I apologize. Yeah, three to two, one. And and honestly, there's a fourth if you guys don't mind. Of course. Um, ROH releasing everybody, I think, was a big shock to the whole wrestling community. I mean. You had quite a few people just fired, let go. I mean, they got to finish out their their contract, but just the fact that ROH basically let everybody go was a huge shock. Yeah, thankfully, uh, we'll get into it, but there is news with Supercard dates, and there's a match even and Hall of Fame stuff. So they're they're coming back, but it's been since November till now where we really didn't know. So that you are very correct there with that one, definitely. Uh, GMSG, to round out this uh, this category, what's your top three i'm surprised i don't think anyone mentioned it but biggie cashing in was huge in my eyes he finally got what everyone expected him to get for a long time and when he won the money i'm like oh he's not getting that for a while because he's not cashing in on roman and lashley's lashley and he he got the title they did a whole celebration with the new day who were stuck on raw at the time so that was a huge moment and uh, ironically, with cashing in, I had Moose cashing in his at my number two because the whole shocking moment of Alexander finally getting it, taking away from AEW. Yeah. Oh, his family's there. Oh, they're, oh, yep, murder right in front of the kid. <laughs> um, number one spot was because I don't think anyone expected this, but because there were rumors, but Christian went returning at the Rumble. The guy couldn't get his last run. He kind of, like, for the last six years, just kind of accepted that he couldn't come back to wrestling and he saw edge do it and he's like you know what i'm gonna test my uh, chances with the doctors and came back i will say biggie was probably like my number four or number five uh and sh- shamelessly i will say matt cardona winning the gcw title in that moment was one of my favorites where all the bottles are being thrown in that's like a runner-up there was a lot of cool moments it was a very fun year for a lot of stuff so uh like even woods winning king of the ring and crying stuff like that it was pretty great so uh, Jim C, let's stick with you, though. Do you want to talk about comeback of the year? Okay. I'm going to do this in reverse order because I think no one would expect my number three. Okay. My number one is Christian. That's why I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I had a feeling. <laughs> I mean, was in the Rumble, 
showed up in AEW, which was pretty shocking considering uh, his best friend Edge was in that storyline with Roman and Daniel Bryan. I thought Christian could have been in there, but he went to AEW to wrestle, and he was in the Battle Royal, second to last. He won the Impact title. Thank God. He, I love him. He took that title back to Impact and gave it to Alexander, so I more respect to him. And, I mean, he was there as the third person for Jurassic Express when they won the tag titles, so he's been a great guy for this entire year with his comeback. My second, ironically, the only reason I chose this person is because he got, he's been injured, he's retired for a long time, he was out for like seven, eight months, and then came back for the Rumble, wins the Rumble. Many great matches with Seth Rollins, Roman, Brian, I love Edge. He did a hell of a year after being out for a while for his injury. My third one is similar, Jimmy Uso. I don't think anyone would have expected him. Oh, that's right. He was gone for 14 months, and he came back, wins the tag titles, and has one of the longest reigns. Yeah, that's – God, I forgot about that because that was was earlier in the year too because we kept expecting that to happen with Kevin Owens stuff and then keep going, and yeah, that took a while. Oh. Yeah, for comeback. I guess we should clarify. We did leave this a little loose. It wasn't just the moment of, oh, this singular moment in time. That's what the moments are. But, like, what they've also done with the comeback, it's a little open for interpretation. That's why we're explaining as we go. Uh, all this same mind, because they're kind of similar in the reasons, and then we'll go to the others, but I'll work my way up. My number three, probably going to surprise people, but my number three is Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Just because that was an awesome, oh my god moment. Like, it, it, it stood out, and I didn't think it would, looking back on them, but that one really, really stood out to me. As something I didn't think I'd see, then the realization of, oh, it's Brock versus Roman. <gasps> oh, and with Heyman, and yeah, that's that's that one. Um, Punk coming back. Like I said, that's probably the singular best single return I've seen in a very long time, like CT said earlier. That's my number two coming back on uh, on Rampage. And my number one is also Christian because he came back at the Rumble. And then he, you know, left and came back at AEW. And then also came back to Impact with their title. So he's my number one. Uh, by virtue of having basically three comebacks all in one calendar year of a, of a career. So that is my number one. Red, who are your picks? Uh, I only had one, but based on what you guys said, I can see Christian and Brog being my three and two. Um, but my number one was Zelina Vega. Uh, after being released in 2020 and then coming back out of nowhere, winning the Queen of the Ring, then winning the tag titles, like she changed her career around completely from what she was being used prior. And I think she definitely is number one for her comeback. And then Christian's number two, Brock is three? Yeah. Okay. That's a really good pick. I like that pick. Well, bear me since you're talking, what's yours? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's how we're doing. I'm going quick. I hear someone's voice. You're next. Yep. Ah. yep. My number three is Becky Lynch coming back at SummerSlam and beating Bianca Belair in 26 seconds. Reeve, not really changing her gimmick too much. She still feels like the man, but like it's a heel gimmick and she's kind of killing it. And since she's been back, her entering work has been the best of her career. I feel like she's really stepped up her game and I'm enjoying it. Number two, like you said, Christian, because literally he's he did all three of those things and like a, had pretty much a career year but number one for me is cm punk i 
honestly didn't think the guy would ever come back to wrestling. You know what I mean? And he did. And it was kind of a big shock to me. Well, I mean, not really. Like they said that this could happen. But up until that point, I was like, ah, is he really going to come back? But uh, he did. And uh, I'm enjoying his stuff. Uh, his stuff with Kingston, Darby Allen, now stuff with MJF, even though the promos are you know just taking hot shots to each other but that's you know that's what it is but yeah he'd be my number one so those are my top three all right yeah becky was close on mine probably number four but lesnar's SummerSlam was more of a oh my god than becky's was so that's why she got relegated but, uh, lower for one, me one more would have been john cena yeah right yeah, yeah, he came back with yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I had him written down as well. Like I was going through like all the lists, and I was like, oh, I kind of like when Cena came back because <laughs> him and Roman finally had a really good match, and it was a really good match. But... Now, CT, what about yours? Uh, my number three is going to be Shibata. He granted his real match was in uh twenty twenty two, but he only had a five minute grappling match. But like, this is something. I never thought I was going to see like this wasn't just a case of like oh he's going to be working towards wrestling like to a point it was like oh we don't know if he's going to walk again you know the night of his injury they thought he was going to die from it like this is incredibly serious um and to see him actually make a return a completely a surprise not like an ounce of hinting even at it um it was a huge shock and I mean it just it's a big moment number two is going to surprise people because I think I actually shitted on him most of the year Goldberg Goldberg really, like, I think talking about people like Lesnar or these part-timers that come back to being these big matches, it's kind of hard to imagine one, like, that goes better than Goldberg this year. Um, he And from the first Raw, I think, of the year where he came and confronted Drew, uh, his Rumble match was like, oh, he's going to win the title. This sucks. But no, he had this really fun, short little match. He then came back to face Lashley. At SummerSlam, they had a quick little fun match that was an angle. Then he had a great blow-off in Saudi. And like he didn't overstay his welcome. He didn't necessarily do a ton. He didn't like win a title. But you don't want Goldberg winning a title. You want him coming in, doing these fun little feuds. Um, and I really appreciated Goldberg looking back. Like, I am very, like, not happy right now. If you go listen to last podcast, I don't love Lesnar in the title scene. I don't love Lesnar as champion. I like Goldberg coming in, maybe getting a title match, but then losing and then doing other stuff. Um, and number one, of course, is Christian. He comes in the Rumble, shock debut or return. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and then you have this great year. He became world champion. You know, that's a pretty big deal. You know, Punk might be giving fun promos, um, but, I mean, he became world champion. That is a big deal. Had a great match with Josh Alexander um, and ha- has had some great matches. So I don't think many have done what Christian has done in his return. And I do know we talked about about that with the caliber or qualifications for some of this criteria. And that happens with the PWI stuff for the Wrestling Observer, where it's like, oh, in kayfabe, Kenny Omega won three world titles. Therefore, that's better than anything else stuff. Yeah, but it didn't draw for the thing. So we, we've we've considered some of this stuff. Like, there's a bit of kayfabe, a bit of reality for what we're looking at. And as we get into, you know, the heel and face and the male and female, that will be a little more apparent. Uh, I think, I think though, because you mentioned matches, CT, we could dive into match of the year if you want to start that one off. Sure, and I'm sure everyone on this call is going to, you know, have fond memories of all these matches. Uh, number three is going to be Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from Wrestling Dantaku. It's a great match. Number two, Will Ospreay versus Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 15 Night 1. 
it's a great match. Wrestle Kingdom 15 Night 2 takes my number one spot for Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. It was a nearly 50-minute epic, but it didn't feel long. It justified its welcome or its length, um, and it was just an epic main event to a great Wrestle Kingdom that led to an amazing moment. Um, So, I mean, I'm sure these are going to be on all your lists, but I think they're the best three matches of the year. And if you want to watch them, go subscribe to New Japan World for $10 a month. It's a good deal. Well, Red, I'm sure you're going to list the same matches, so may as well do yours next. <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, yes and no. I'm going to list his matches, but I can list somebody that he knows. Uh, my first, or my number three, is Daniel Bryan versus Suzuki at the Rampage Box. Um, I think it was either my first or second match seeing Suzuki, and I was impressed with his story, his wrestling. It was fun. Um, number two, Scott and I watched this one, which was TP versus... Alexander in an Iron Man match. Um, I think it was, well, I forgot what they call it. It was an Impact pre-show, and they finished it in the first like 15 minutes of the Impact show. And my number one is Edge versus Rollins in Hell in a Cell. One of the better Hell in a Cells we've seen in some time. Um, I don't know why they've waited so long to do a good one, but these two tore it. The, the entire pay-per-view was off of this match for me. Well, I'm not. I'm sure it's not that they wait to do good ones. They just haven't been able to because they don't have people with the chemistry like Edge and Rollins doing it all the time. So, I'm sure there's a bit of that involved in it too. And that one, I'll be honest, that one's not on my list, but it's like number four, <laughs> probably. Like it's it's such a good match, but it did not make my list. And I, I keep looking at it, going, uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. Uh, GMSG, what's yours though? Okay, so Edge and Seth, I should have put that on my list. I didn't. Hmm. I feel bad about right? that. Right? Same. I'm like, oh, yeah. do I want to change mine anyway? I'm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so my third one was a bit of a surprise to me, even though I was looking forward to this match just because of one side of it, but the men's war games was so surprising with all those new young guys going in against the veterans in a match that we know can have so many bad botches and mess-ups throughout the entire thing. The story of it, all the people in it, it actually worked and flowed all well together, and it was a long match, but it didn't feel long at all. I loved it. The second match um, was Bianca and Sasha at Mania because that had so much story to it. At such a big moment, the feeling and everything. I don't remember what takeover it was for this one. Ilya Dragunov winning the title from Walter. I, I don't remember what show that was. 36. Was it 36? That, yes, that match killed. I... I, I I predicted Dragunov winning, but throughout the match, I'm like, oh, it looks like you can win, but I'm like, I don't know if he can beat Walter. This is insane. It was great. Well, I'll go next, because that literally is my number four, just for reference, if we kept going, because I've got a list, and I updated as we go, as we watch matches. I've been doing that all year. That was my number four, so that was number one for a good long while, actually. Uh, or close to it, because my number three actually was another Walter match. It was Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa from Stand and Deliver Night 1. I loved everything about that match. Uh, the way that it was Walter doing what Walter does, but against the the scrappy, wily, conniving, somewhat sadistic veteran in Ciampa was just... that I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was super great. I, I loved everything about it. Um, to the same end, my number two is a similar match where they kind of did things and twisted it a bit, was Josh Woods versus Jonathan Gresham for the pure title at Death Before Dishonor. Because that was, I think, Gresham's 13th or 14th pure title match. And they kind of 
changed a bit where they kept putting each other in the ropes and using each other's rope breaks up. I just, I don't know why, but that was super creative. I loved everything about that. It was really cool. It just really stood with me. That was super fun. Uh, and my number one is probably going to be like, what, really? But yeah, it's Tom Lawler versus Alex Coughlin from Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 7. That was my favorite match. And the moment I saw it, I went, I don't know if anything's going to top that. <laughs> oh, that match was so good. It was just the ultimate story of someone trying to overcome and get a veteran off their game and then having success, but then starting to have failure with it and keep, it was just, it was great. I, I love that match so much. And it's like, what really that one over what Rollins and edge? Yes. Rollins and Edge is probably number five. Because uh, that was super good, and it's an easy one to pick. That one I kind of still want it, but no, Lawler and Coglin is absolutely my number one. Uh, Bear me, what's yours? My number three would be Edge versus Seth Rollins and Hell to Saudi. Seth Rollins died for our sins. Well, they both did. They were both beaten up and battered, and it was just one of those brutal matches. It was just amazing. Number two, you took one of mine. Jonathan Gresham versus Josh Goods Woods at Death Before Dishonor. Pure rules match for the title. Was rooting for Josh Woods to win the title. Was hoping that he would. Gresham was this unstoppable guy. And it, it ended in no contest, but Gresham was like, nah, we're doing this again. So they restarted it. It's like kind of like an overtime type deal. And Woods got the win, and it was so good. And I, I hope when ROH does come back that they bring the pure rules stuff back. I know that they said it's retired or whatnot, but I really hope they bring that back. And number one is it's Walter versus Dragunov take over 36. Dragunov did the unthinkable by taking the big man down. Walter hit all of his finishers because he has like three or four. And Dragunov just kept kicking out at every one of them and giving us all heart attacks. And eventually tapping Walter out, which was a little weird. But I kind of like how, looking back on it, I kind of like how they did that and why he tapped out. So that's my number one is definitely Walter versus Dragunov. I think by virtue of you guys, you and it's the musty good guys doing this, uh, picking Walter and Dragunov, that just points-wise would be number one. <laughs> but Edge and Rollins is on, two, is on two lists. That's, but it's, yeah, no. If if top of the card had an overall list, Walter versus Dragunov got it because of that. So that's pretty close. The funny thing is, I'm I really glad like... I missed a pure rules title too, because I that match I love too. Yeah. I would like to say uh, Camille versus Layla Hirsch almost made my list as well. I told you that was a good match. I told you. It really was. And yeah, and I went back and watched it and it was damn good. Yeah, I've got that one. I've got O'Reilly and Wagner versus Imperium. The men's war games was great. Uh, Escobar and Devlin in the ladder match. Uh, Remember Pete Dunn and Kushida or Gargano and Kushida? The kiss him, kiss him match. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lawler and Narita. CT, you recommended that one to me. That was amazing. Um, even Cole and O'Reilly had a couple awesome ones. And I think one that we all thought was amazing off the bat was uh, Lashley, McIntyre, and Strowman at Backlash. And then you can just keep mm-hmm. going. Like I've, I've got a list. Like I said, that's just the, some of the top ones. And C- uh, CT, there's probably many more Japanese ones you can mention, right? Like, <laughs> Sure. I mean, a great. I think overall a really great year. Walter, those two matches, the Champa and Dragunov, both were really high for me. Like, really looking back, this was a great year. Mm-hmm. And of course, oh, um, the, the Owens Reigns trilogy at the start of the year, right? Yeah, think? Scott, I was going to say, the sh- match you sent me earlier of the Rumble match, I literally had that match in my head for most of the year. Like, oh, I'm going to choose that one because it was just insane for a last man standing. 
WWE posted that as like, oh, a free match to promote the Rumble. There it is. And I'm like, oh, it's that one. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah, like I've even got like Barnett and Moxley from Bloodsport and stuff like that down kind of like toward the bottom of my list. MSK and uh, GYV and the Dusty Cup. Uh, there, there are so many really, really great ones. And yeah, Alexander versus TJP was awesome. Even Ishii and Moose. Yeah, it was it was great. Are there any other Just, ones that we want to mention? Like, because it's like CT said, it's such a great year of wrestling. Wagner O'Reilly versus Imperium. Everyone in the voice chat was mm. amazed by that match. It was insane. Mister Clean died. And reference for the end of it, the the little breakup hint where he attacked him, but O'Reilly's like, "No, bitch." Yeah, that was. <laughs> Perfect little moment. So so great. So great. Uh, Josh Alexander versus Jonah was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. Th- oh, that was hard to kill. No, oh, it was. That's what they do. Keep that for next year. <laughs> yeah. Write that one down. Oh, you got, writing you got that one. down. You got oh, one. Writing it down. Yep, yep. yep. Gargano and uh, Jonah now, but Bronson Reed. That match was insane. Oh, that true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, there there was a lot of good. A lot of good. Um, this, I've got Suzuki versus Gresham even I don't want to forget that one from the GCW show it was super fun and the Briscoes we didn't even mention some of the tag team matches they had so yeah lots lots of great stuff let's talk about the actual male and female and then the heel and the face uh, I think we'll work up to the, the male and female last actually I did that in the wrong order but what do people want to say for heel of the year uh, Bear Me let's go to you first for these Okay, for Heel of the Year, my number three is MJF. Just because that guy, well, that guy lives the gimmick. But he's just been a kind of a dick all year to, like, CM Punk, even, like, four. And Darby Allen and stuff with Darby Allen and everything else. I, I'm just a big MJF fan. My number two, I switched this before the podcast because I was thinking about it. I'm going to go with Seth Rollins because, again... When I'm thinking of heels, I'm just thinking of guys that are dicks or girls that are dicks, you know. And um, Seth Rollins was that against Edge, Cesaro. He's like that dastardly heel that, and he always tries to like kind of weasels his way out of things. And I really like that. And number one, my number one heel of the year is Roman Reigns because he's the tribal chief and just keeps doing what he does. He he tells you like it is. He's going to go in there. He's going to stack them. He's going to pin them. And he just he just wins, and there really ain't no stopping that guy right now. Hey, if we want to make this easy, you want me to go next? This is gonna be really funny. Is it the same three? <laughs> I was gonna go to you next. Almost, almost. Yeah, um, go. M- yeah. My number three is MJF. Dude yep. always talks the promos. Even trash talk my town tonight because they're here in Cleveland. So yeah, that was perfect. My number two though was different. Charlotte Flair. Boy, did she make me upset this year. The Nikki Ash, Rhea Ripley. Winning the titles now she, I mean, if you want to go off the dirt, she she caused uh, Tony Storm to leave. Possibly, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, in, I hate her booking. I hate her character, and she's a heel. She's good at being a heel. She's good at making people hate her. Can't blame her. And number one, it's going to be the Travel Chief. I mean, dude was dominant, even against Seth Rollins, who's a big heel. Roman's the bigger heel somehow. Yeah, Seth's getting cheers currently, but he's still not changed his character at all. He's still a heel, but he's against Roman. It's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, and he killed a child on TV through Dominic. I forgot about that. Former tech champion, but still. Uh, Red, who are your heels of the year? Um, 
I went with one that I don't think has been listed. I went Bobby Lashley number three. He mm -hmm. uh, he's turned around his career this last year with the hurt business. I think they started in twenty twenty, but him as a solo throughout twenty twenty one was the thing for me. Uh, number two, MF. He uh, I don't watch a lot of AEW, but just what I do see, he definitely a dick, and I kind of like it. Uh, and number one is going to be Roman. I mean, there's no disputing Roman's a number one heel. I don't care what company we're in. Uh, if we want to who's the biggest dick, still like he's a, and that's all he is. All right. I really like that Lashley pick. It's good. It's good. He was close to number it three is. on mine. I'll be honest. He's not though. Uh, CT, we'll go for yours next. Can't believe that he's not more on more lists. Number three, Matt Cardona. What a year Cardona had. I mean, and still is having. He has elevated himself and kind of single-handedly elevated GCW to like astronomical levels. Um, I, I mean, Cardona's been at every point just incredible. I mean, he dressed up as Vince McMahon as ECW champion. How, how do you beat that? I'm not really sure. Um, number two, you have Will Ospreay. He sadly was gone a lot of the year with injury, um, but I think on the mic, he is by far the best promo of the or best promo and best heel of the year he is an absolute dick is he probably a dick in real life also yeah i'll give you that um but he was incredible as a heel this year but number one yeah it's roman isn't it i mean it's kind of hard to argue that roman who was dominant the entire year relevant the entire year he never got boring um it's kind of argue against that for being the best heel of the year but like i think all three were really solid yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Osprey nearly made my list based on that Resurgence promo alone. <laughs> it was so good. But my number three, I picked Moose. Just because, yeah, he wasn't quite getting it done here and there, but he was always close. And then did pull that trigger in the ultimate move of humiliating a man over his family. Uh, th that goes a long way for me. And now here's the fun part. Number two is Roman Reigns for me. Because my number one is Matt Cardona. He elevated that company. You took the words out of my mouth. He elevated that company beyond by leaning in so hard. You top ECW Vince McMahon by Macho King Randy Savage, and then you keep going. He's done so much, and it's elevated that company, GCW, beyond. And then he's, he's into Impact now. He's into NWA. Uh, I just He's been number one. I thought of it. I thought it over. I'm like, is he really number one for me? Yeah, I think he is. Because... He does no wrong when it comes to the heel stuff, as far as I'm concerned. He's like a triple champion for Cleveland's indie wrestling right now, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the, what, a AIW unified their titles, or they're both together and yeah. he has them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The absolute title and the awesome title, I think it is. Intense. Yeah, Intense and it is. Yeah, yes. it's insane. Yeah. I saw those titles and we went, I went, we should have called ours those, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I broke the streak of all four reigns. He's clearly the overall top of the card heel of the year, obviously, but... I, I picked Cardona. I, I, yeah, I, I went with it. Faces. Let's, let's go back in that same order. I'll do mine first. I'm actually going to say my number three face is Daniel Bryan and Brian Danielson for that period in AEW while he was there. He had everybody in the palm of his hand when he went towards the title again in WWE. He did the same thing in AEW. He could just do no wrong. I don't know why he's a heel now. That's silly to me, but... Uh, he is my number three face just by virtue of that. He can clearly do this anywhere and it works. So that's my number three. Number two is actually Edge, which surprised me because I didn't think I'd put him that high, but it just seems far and away the way he was against Rollins and against Roman, even though he went kind of heel during some of that. I still think he uh, 
consistently w was in that position. My number one is actually Josh Alexander, because Barry mentioned him before in CT. Uh, everybody was mentioning him before. How he's kind of like, is he really a good face? I think he is. He's got that, forgive me, I'm Canadian though, that Chris Benoit grit. So that worked for me in that sense. Like, I like the no-nonsense, I'm going to beat everybody, and then I can face, especially as Canadian. So that was my number one face. And let's go back in the reverse order. CT, what's yours? Okay, my top three faces of the year. Number three, Bianca Belair. I think especially when it comes to the women's division just across the board, it's very hard to find someone with the same level of continued support as Belair from that WrestleMania moment onto SummerSlam and say what you want about the Becky match. But like, I think that clearly kind of elevated her and people's desire to see her succeed and do well. Um, and it continues to this day. Number two is Josh Alexander. Yeah, I mean, he is incredible. And it's really hard to watch Josh Alexander match and not just come away liking the guy. He's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, from the match with TJP to the stuff with Moose and Christian Cage, um, he really is setting himself up to where, like, yes, he had the screw job with Moose, but also just when he goes out there, kicks ass, and has a match of the year contender like with TJP. He just kind of is like a face you want to get behind and you want to root for and you want to see win. And I think Impact would be very stupid if this year uh, you don't see him again at the top of the company. Because I think kind of like Daniel Bryan, uh, he's just someone who you want to see at the top of the company. Uh, but number one is going to be Hangman Adam Page. AEW, I'm giving you a little shout here. Um, through the AEW booking through horrendous booking the entire year, Hangman has somehow still maintained an excellent an excellent uh, support. People wanted him to be AEW world champion, and most importantly, he actually got to have that moment. Um, and I think it really says something when someone in AEW, especially as a face, is able to maintain that level of passion from the audience when they're able to have that much momentum throughout the entire year. Um, and now he's just killing it as world champion. So good for Hangman. I think he's the best face of the year. How the heck did I not think of Hangman? I'm embarrassed. Uh, GMSG, who have you got? It's a good thing you didn't mess up our names because we had similar choices for the most part. <laughs> but I almost did earlier. I covered it, though, <laughs> and I made fun of myself. So it's all good. <laughs> so I'm going to go in reverse because I sadly did not realize we were going to do heels and faces until five minutes before the show. So my last <laughs> one's a little uh, interesting with choice. My number one's Hangman Page. One, he was supported by everyone. He's even cheered as a face against Daniel Bryan, which that's shocking to anyone. And, I mean, he defeated Kenny Omega and took off the last title of Omega. I gotta love him no matter what. He's great. My number two is Bianca Belair because she just killed it. Everyone would support her going crazy, even against with, like, Rhea in the Rumble, all the way up to um, Banks, who everyone loves, too. So, I mean, you can't... You love that. Um... Third person, I mean, everyone loves him, Danhausen. He's one of the few people I've seen where crowds fully support him and face and face pain everything. Even he's supposed to act heelish, people still love him. Well, he is very nice, very evil, but no, he's absolutely a face. Let's let's not beat around the bush here on that one. Yeah, he's getting the ass boys trending. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, and he doesn't even work there. <laughs> uh, Red, who have you got? Danhausen just became number four. Um, <laughs> I forgot all that he hasn't because I, I haven't seen many matches from him last year, and that's the only problem. He's a influence 
out of the ring than in the ring. My number three is going to be uh, H. Uh, she's been a fan favorite this entire time. The rebranding to the superhero has just made her that more of a face and coming the tag being and Money in the Bank being uh, Money in the Bank briefcase holder and Raw Women. Yeah, she's done it all this year. Um, number two is Big E. He's always been a fan favorite face and getting the title this year after winning the bank has been a big deal. And kind of a main rookie, Damian Priest, uh, I believe undefeated the entire year at the United States champion and held that. So uh, yeah, he's going to be my number one face. I'm embarrassed. I didn't think of big E either. God damn it. I've really botched this, this category. I feel like Alexander stole my number one, but man, edge and Brian, I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> Bear me. Who she got? Well, my number three is Edge. He won the Rumble, went on to main event night two or something, even though he lost. Everybody just gets behind him. You know, there's something about like an old timer coming back and getting a really good run, and he can still go. He's, you know, he he wasn't or came back. He's he's doing really good things. Uh, went on to face Seth Rollins at SummerSlam and beat him and Hell in a Cell. He just put on banger matches. Number two on my list uh, is Bianca Belair. She, everybody's clamoring for one of these people besides the horsewomen to be the next star. Well, her star shines the brightest. She won Rumble, won at Mania, was the sole survivor of her team at Survivor Series. And her 2022 is going to be very, very good and probably amazing. I'll probably be writing her down for face of the year next year as well. It's just every I haven't heard anybody say a really bad thing about her, so I got to put her at number two. Plus, I'm a little bit of a homer because she's one of my favorites. And number one, yes, is Adam Hangman Page. Cowboy shit, taking that title off of Omega when everybody wanted him to finally lose that title, he came through and did it. And like CT said, even through horrendous booking, he he turned chicken chicken shit into chicken salad. You know what I mean? It just it worked for him. The stuff with the Dark Order, everybody loved it. He he overcame the odds and did it. So, and it was one of AEW's best moments. So, I tip my cap to him, Adam Hangman Page, number one. I mean, to tweak something you just said there, there's a shirt opportunity there. He turned chicken shit into cowboy shit. So. Oh yeah, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> but uh, let's let's go to our last two categories here. Then the the male and female of the year for female of the year. Red, I don't think I've gone to you first for any of these. So you're first up. Who's your uh, who's your top three? My top is going to start off at number three with Cabell Air. Like everybody said, she had an amazing. She had the moment. She had uh, Nikki Ash is my number. Same thing. Moment spotlight. Uh, entire year, these people have just shown up and shelled out. However, my number one will never be outdone. I got Alexa Bliss. Yes, I'm biased, but she took a uh, character that females have done in WWE before ran with it and was over everybody was waiting to see what with being a wrestler the fact that she's missing for almost eight months sucked but it is what it is but she's still number one okay ct who's your uh your picks for females of the year now this is important because women's wrestling isn't really a thing in new japan so i'm curious <laughs> i was just about to say let's preference this by the companies i watch regularly do not have women so just keep that in mind. Uh, number three is Mickey James. 
I, I feel like this is a pick that most people are going to overlook, but like not just behind the scenes with NWA, but being on screen, becoming Impact Champion, and I think a really fantastic match. Um, she's wrestled for NWA. She's really kind of gone out there since her release and really made a name and really kind of elevated the the community and workspace and companies and promotion she's been a part of. She isn't just there kind of going through the motions as a veteran. She's really out there giving a fantastic run. Um, so I have to give credit to Mickey James. Um, of course, Bianca Belair is fantastic. Uh, the first half of the year, great matches, great, good booking, um, a lot of momentum. The latter half has been a little bit more iffy for booking, but still get performances, has the momentum, has the support. But no one can top Britt Baker. I mean, Britt Baker this year, even as someone who hates AEW, um, she had the iconic moment with the blood. Then she became world champion, has had some really great matches, has maintained relevancy, has become one of the top superstars in AEW, period. Um, she's one of the biggest representatives they have. Um, she is killing it. Um, her momentum, I think, is fading. So we'll see how this is next year. Um, but as of right now, when you look back at the year, there's not a single woman who I think outside of stardom, which I don't watch to be fair, so I do not know, um, in any promotion I'm aware of that is as good as Britt Baker is and has done as much as she did last year. All right, I'll go next because uh, I don't think I've gone third on any of these yet. So uh, my number three actually is uh, Bianca Belair. And my number two is Britt Baker. So to go with your two and one, it's my three and two. Uh, much the same reasons. I think Belair is very, very good. She's kind of proven herself alongside the horsewomen. Uh, Bailey kind of gets an honorable mention, but she was gone most of the year. She'd probably be in that range. But Belair has been killing it and is up there with those four, really trying to prove herself. And others like Nikki and Rhea are like, they're trying to and they're close to, but they're not quite doing it like Bel Air has. And she's really established as one of the five, I guess, if you want to call it that. Baker at number two is much like you said, except I, I do think there's one better, but I'm, I'm biased, but we'll get there. Uh, Baker really killed it and has carried the women's division for what it's worth in AEW and tried to make it something important and worthwhile. And even though there's roadblocks of how they book and operate, she still had success doing that, so much so that she lost the match to Thunder Rosa, and it's still her we talk about. And just the, the performance and the way things go from there, it's really capitalized on it, and the crowd loves it, even when she's a heel and goes to Britsburg. It's, it's great. She, she's awesome. My number one, though, is Becky Lynch, and I know she only came back in August, but she picked up where she left off, going down that road of a heel character that was not really wanted, but now worked really good. And just stepped right back in, like didn't miss a step, and was killing it. And I really like Becky from before, and here she is now again. And yeah, I, I think she's nailing it with the new aspects of the character that still work. And yeah, that's that's my number one. Uh, Bear me, who have you got? My number one is Bianca Belair because of all all of her accomplishments this year. And again, it is kind of a homer pick, but. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that we kind of mostly all have her in the top three, so I don't feel as bad. So, yeah, she would be my number one. Number two is Britt Baker, the doctor. Ever since her lights-out match, winning the title, like CT said, she's gone on to have some really good matches. I think one of her best ones was the one with Statlander. I got to see that live, and it was really good. Um, my number three is uh, Charlotte Flair, because 
she's had a really good reign and since she's came back this year she's just put on really good matches and i think this is one of her probably best reigns that she's had so that is my number three i know we've actually talked about that at length uh how she's leaning into that perception of character and it's the best thing she can yes. do and it works so she's your number three you you went in the yep. top down okay just to make sure yeah, Becky would have been number four. I was debating between Becky and Charlotte, and I chose Charlotte. That's fair. That's fair. That sounds weird, though, right? Everybody, that he said that? Right. I don't think Jeremy's okay. It, yeah, it's I'm, wild. I'm worried. I'm worried. Okay, hey, non-biased. Non-biased. Jimmy, you got to talk, talk to him and clear things up. But uh, what's your pick first, though? Uh, the funny thing is, Jeremy had two out of three, same as me again, but just a little different. My number three was Britt Baker. She had a really strong year. She had some major matches on TV, which they were on pay-per-view, but that's a different story for a different company. And she won the title. She had, she finally got her moment. She's had, she started off with a really great run with it, and it, it's tapered off in the last few months, and that's why she's my number three. My number two, and I'm shocked no one mentioned her, Deanna Perrazzo, because she was the Impact Champion all year, she, almost all year. She had many defenses. She won the AAA Women's title, and even though it just happened recently, she was gunning for the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. So she's just had a killer year and only got displaced because Bianca Belair's here. She started off with the Rumble winning. That's a major match moment. She kept winning, doing things with the World Championship, then won the championship in the main event of WrestleMania, one of the main events. And then she was leading up to SummerSlam as a big champion. And then, well, Becky happened, but... For most of the year, she killed it. Yeah, I did have Perazzo kind of like number four, number five, probably. And Mickey was hovering in that range, too. I did think of that, but didn't quite stick with that. Anybody regret no Perazzo? Just forget about her? A little bit. A very close yeah. number four. Yeah. <laughs> Roxy could have got some mention in there, too. Mm-hmm. She had a great year as well. But it was almost too little too late, right? Like, it was a September start, I think, yes. for most of us, knowing who she was. So, yeah. It, it, a little earlier might have been more beneficial, but yeah. Um, I say that as someone who picked Becky from August, but whatever. Uh, let's see. Bear me. We'll go to you for this last category, then, for the Male Wrestler of the Year. Who are your top three? All right. Number three for me is Jonathan Gresham. He held the pure title pretty much all year, defending it in some banger matches. Like, I love pretty much every finish to every pure rules match because he always pulled out something different. And then he lost to Josh Woods, which was cool. I really like Josh Woods. And then he had, to cap off the end of the year, he won the ROH world title, which I don't really know if they're counting that as like, how do they count that? Is that like the old title or like. Think of it like Moose with his TNA title. They're, they're kind of doing their okay. two titles. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Andy, well, we're going to cap it off by him winning an ROH world title. That might not be the real title, but an old title. You know, I mean, hey, he had an amazing year. Number two for me is Kenny Omega. He, he had a, a bunch of titles. And, I mean... Yeah, he had some, he had some good matches. I can't say they were all clunkers, you know. Like there were some that I didn't like, but there were there were a few that I did like. I liked his match with Hangman. I liked the one with. Okay, hang on. I gotta think. I had I had these written down too, but all right. Omega's number two. I'll come back to it. But number one is Roman Reigns because 
he just he's the tribal chief he's been champ forever he's got that bloodline mob boss mentality him pairing with Heyman, him splitting from Heyman. it's everything the guy touches right now is freaking gold and i can't wait to see what he does in the future uh my top men of the year i got biggie three like i said money the bank winner winning the title just Overall, his whole career as a singles person ever since they split off from the New Day. Uh, Damian Priest, undefeated throughout 2021. His moment at WrestleMania with uh, Bad Me was a huge match, uh, winning the U.S. title. And then Roman Reigns, you started with champion, you end with champion. There's nothing to complain about. So number three was really difficult. There's a lot of people I considered, but I ended up going with Josh Alexander from his incredible run as X Division champion. I mean, you have the Iron Man match. You have so many great matches with that. He retained an Ultimate X, if I'm remembering correctly. Great reign. Then you have the moment with Christian where he wins the title. It brings it back to Impact. He has the Moose bit. He's been irrelevant since. He had the Suzuki match. Like He's just been incredible from day one of the year to the last day of the year. Um, so you have to give some respect to Josh Alexander. Number two is going to be Roman Reigns. Maybe it's unpopular. I don't care. Uh, great year. I mean, absolutely incredible. Every pay-per-view he came around, gave a great match, was relevant, was in an interesting and captivating story. Um, but finally, number one would be Shingo Takagi for me. He won the world championship had an incredible reign as never champion kind of like with josh alexander started the year with a mid-card title had so many great like match of the year contenders with it and then goes wins the world really cements himself as being top of the company um it was an amazing year for takagi um and he's my winner for wrestler of the year overall even i would say well i'll do my next because it is actually somewhat similar not the takagi part uh josh alexander is my number three as well. I debated my number two and three kind of flip-flopped, but he's my number three uh, for everything you said, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, and I just like him extra because he's Canadian, so there's that bit too. My number two, though, is Matt Cardona. And you probably think I'm crazy, but it's everything I said about the heel part, but he... Everything he touches basically turns to gold on the indie scene. When it does so well that he gets into the bigger indies. And it's just... I, I literally want to see what he does next because who knows what he'll do. He's, he's made this work quite like no one else like the only comparable to reinventing yourself on the indies would be basically drew mcintyre which led him back to wwe or like a danhausen who said no one cared about me until i you know put on the face paint he's done this and if you look back in history he was always doing this but now he's getting to do it like out in the open and on the indies and making gcw matter and yeah it he's my number two but number one is roman reigns because everything he touches turns to gold but he does it at the top level of everything. So that trumps that bar none. Starts as champion, ends as champion. Not a single bad match. Like, the only day he missed was January 1st of the next year. So it doesn't even count. Like, it's it's just, yeah, he's he's far and away my number one overall. GMSG, let's, uh, let's close out with yours. So, uh, ironically, uh, Josh Alexander is my number three for the exact same reason. Was a secondary champion of Impact, carried it while, you know, Omega was missing with it. And then he won the world title last minute at the last show. Lost it, obviously, but he still won it. Ironically, he beat a guy that wasn't at the company for the title technically. And my number two, same kind of situation all year. Pure title of ROH champion, 
Jonathan Gresham, who last minute won the title from someone that technically wasn't in the company. So that's kind of weird that they had a similar year. My number one is Roman Reigns. Like, all year had the title. Dude beat Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Edge, Brian, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Big E, the WWE champion at the time. Like, he had a killer year. He beat people when they left the company. Yep. <laughs> the forgotten Hell in a Cell with Mysterio, because it wasn't a pay-per-view. You know, a little bit of everything with him. Yeah, so Roman Reigns is by far our overall male wrestler of the year, just points-wise. But Alexander coming in close there. And yeah, I feel uh, Gresham's number four, probably, for me. It's this. I like Alexander more. I'm biased. I'm Canadian, so what? But uh, yeah, that is our overall... 2021 best of the year uh we have a podcast to record now on top of that because it's only been an hour and we've had a little bit of news we're gonna do it quick because there's not much to say about some of this stuff i gotta be honest like i really think the thing that's gonna be the, the biggest talking point is probably what someone's name that i alluded to earlier so let's dive right into this again chronologically speaking as we go but i'd be remiss not to mention if everybody agrees or disagrees with our points or want to comment on it, jump over to our Discord. You can find the links through uh, our stuff with the Top of the Card Pod uh, Twitter. You can go in there, come in, have your say. I'm sure we'll be hearing some of this all, uh, as this goes live. Talk about it on Twitter. Let us know how right or wrong we are. Let us know what matches we should see if we missed some. And we'll go, oh yeah, and it'll be a lot of fun. So please, please hit us up for that. It'll be great. But now let's dive into stuff and it's not it's not all positive anymore. Be, or maybe it is. But the first thing I want to mention is Mustafa Ali requesting his release from WWE. Here we go again. And actually Brian Kendrick also wanted his release. But he's essentially retired and just working backstage. But he seems like the one coach left at NXT. It just kind of wants out kind of like Scotty Tuhati did. So that's just... I, I don't want to say it's not newsworthy, but it's not really a thing. Compared to Ali, who had a billion upside was doing the retribution angle that went nowhere, uh, is getting hometown cheers whenever they go to his city, and yet they're not using him. Like, he's the talent that somehow never even got a cruiserweight title reign, let alone uh, Kofi Kingston WrestleMania match and all these other things. Like, it just... It makes me sad of what he could have done. The, the main thing I think about is all the stuff we just talked about, a lot of indie wrestlers and stuff, he would kill it on the indies, like a Buddy, Ma a Buddy Matthews. Or a lot of these guys. He can go to New Japan and do awesome stuff. Yeah, there's rumors that he wants to be in the Blade movie because they put out a casting call and he pretty much fits the bill. And oh no, WWE isn't letting him, which nobody can prove, so isn't a thing. Like, stop saying that's what it is. He hasn't been on TV for a while. That's probably more what it is. But yeah, I just think, fine, if, if he wants to go, cool. Apparently they're not wanting to let him go, which is a ridiculous thing. If there's budget cuts, that sounds odd to me. But contracts, contracts. There you go. Uh, CT, you want to see him in New Japan, I presume, right? Yeah, I mean, he'd be cool. Like, I think he's a great talent. I really don't care. I like, could not care less about, like, the emotional investment some people have of, like, Free Ali. Like, that was trending. And it's like, I don't know. He has a contract. Also, I think it's, like batshit insane the takes of like oh this is so horrible they won't release him but god also when they release people it's horrible and it's the end of the world and their careers are dead and over but ali god we want him to leave um yeah he i mean he's he's misused he's been misused since brock lesnar knocked him off the ladder um but 
like i don't know he has a contract it's not it's not business is not always just this big emotional warfare so like yes i would like to see him elsewhere i would like to see him used well in wwe um and hopefully if they're keeping him on contract they have some hope to use him but i overall don't like have any emotional investment in this rather than like oh it's a talented wrestler he wants his release they're not going to give it to him he's under contract cool that's how contracts work Considering the most of the gut reactions people have to this stuff is, oh, they can go elsewhere. So much so that when Cody Rhodes was revealed to not have a contract with AEW and was working on a spot-by-spot basis, people thought, oh, he can go to WWE. But I thought you like him there. Like, they, they don't care. They just want the news of you going somewhere else. That, oh, he's not there. He must be leaving. That kind of crap, right? That's the gut reaction that people have. So, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I think I'm one of the biggest supporters of him in this the podcast, so it really sucks. I won him win the Cruiserweight title from Murphy all the way back when he was part of 205 Live. I was mad that he won the men card title or the tag titles the last few years. Injuries and shit happen. It sucks. Um, the one thing that's weird is because he did it publicly online, usually companies don't allow it. They did with Andrade, so I don't understand what the fuck is going on. And with his character, like, could it be part of his character? I don't know. Like, this is kind of like one of those weird situations where I want to wait like three months and figure out what the fuck happens Mm -hmm. and see what happens because I'm just tired of seeing it. And everyone's screaming the free Ali on Twitter. Shut the fuck up, please. Like, the dude's still getting paid. Yeah, he might be miserable. He has a newborn. Spend time with your kids and family. Dude, COVID's bad right now. You're getting paid by WWE. Like, it's not killing your stock. Companies will grab you. You cut great promos. You do great videos on your own. You'll be fine. Yeah, like him and Ricochet had the main event feud, and he and Mansoor were an awesome team. Like, so much good stuff could have happened there, right? But Ali, Jimmy G's best said it. They're misusing him. Uh, He's good, but he's not memorable. I've seen what he's been around for a few years now, and there's nothing stake with his name. Like he's there, they took away part of his name. Retribution was probably for him, and that went nowhere. So like his misuse has made his stock go down in my opinion. Could get it back up. Me, I don't see. I think the reason W even around because they don't want to look or keep letting there are talents that go by and the outside of WWE at this point. See, I'm, I'm not so sure you could say, like, has his stock gone down because of how WWE treated him? That's more a reflection of WWE. I think he's fine, personally. I don't think he's he's going to suffer from that. Like, it's not like... The, the perception is that they failed him, not that he failed them. Right? If that was the case, like, we put you in the spot and you blew it. Not to knock the guy, but that's more of a Jinder Mahal, where the guy clearly wasn't ready and really didn't elevate himself the way that people probably thought he could. He did the best he could, and he still got the job done in the end, but there's only so much the guy can do there. With this, I think it's a little bit different. I think Ali, everybody knows, and is wanting him to achieve this. So this seems a bit a bit different, in my opinion, anyway. It's It sucks. It, it, like, he really wants to wrestle, and they just don't have anything for him so i do feel for him in that respect and he's tried everything to get used obviously he's, he's made videos on his own the stuff the stuff with him and ricochet was great the tag team with mansoor and everything 
I'm going to take it. I'm going to go out on a wild guess and say the next uh, round of budget cuts of wrestlers that do get released. I think that he will be in it, which will probably be in months down the line. I just don't think that the company really wants you to go publicly asking for your release. If you did it maybe behind closed doors, they would grant you it. I'm not for sure, but they have granted releases for other superstars. You know what I mean? So maybe it's just, you know, maybe Vince just doesn't like the fact that you're speaking out about it. But uh, yeah, I, when he eventually, if he does come back or wherever he goes, I'll support him. And, but I mean, it does suck that he's not getting used. It's rough. I, I get people's mentality somewhat to want someone to get released and go elsewhere so that you can see them do the thing. But like I said, the moment people realized Cody had no contract, they were like, oh, he can go to the Rumble. That's how much they care about you in AEW, Cody, the place that you formed, the place you did. There was a Royal Rumble chant during Dynamite for you. Like, that's – or during uh, – forgive me, during Rampage, I think it was, when that he did that promo. That's how much they care about you being in AEW. The moment they thought they could be elsewhere, they chanted the other place. That's how fickle people are with it. It's, it's laughable, honestly. The other stuff that we've got noted here, we can skim this really quick. I know there was a bunch of shows. The Zicky Dykes' Outlandish Paradise and the first Terminus were on one weekend. And I, then there was the GCW, the World on GCW as well. I don't want to draw on these too much because we have already gone over an hour. I know, Red, you were thinking overall that you enjoyed the Zicky Dice show more than Terminus, just based on the presentation alone, the creativity, stuff like that, right? Yeah, the Zicky show was better than all, in my opinion. Uh, I, I knew some of them. I was interested in the other one. The overall show and the overall feel, uh, feeling of an independent show was great. Yeah, they did. They actually incorporated Twitch, where you could give your star ratings. You could vote on the stuff to use, and they were doing it in there. Uh, there was a bit of a problem, considering they were live and had delays on relaying the info, so that'll get fixed as they go. But yeah, free on Twitch. Sponsored by Twitch, actually. They had Twitch on the ring. It was on his tights, stuff like that. Uh, overall, some fun stuff and some hardcore stuff, and they just got to do whatever they wanted to do. And it was just a fun show. Terminus actually suffered from the flip side. It didn't have the production value. It kind of had some wonky angles, and the lights weren't that great. The matches were all right, but I, I don't know if the camera work wasn't as good, but I wasn't getting into them as much. And, yeah, it was kind of a flat finish with Alexander and Gresham. It was a draw, which I can kind of... I, I understand what they are going for, but... When you already have two champions and they're going to shake hands at the end of the night, having someone claim, I beat the champion, where's my shot, is kind of weird to do. I don't know that booking choice is something I would do. Actually, I can say that for a fact because I've written stuff with our prediction league, frontline prediction league. It, we, we don't book that way. So, yeah, no. I mean, it was a near disaster at times. And, and like, I, I'm still willing to give in a chance especially they seem to be maybe doing monthly shows this was during a horrible blizzard so like maybe that had some effect on the production design i'm sure it's going to get better and like yes a lot of the wrestling was good to be fair but like from a booking standpoint josh alexander gresham was just weird like if you can't have a winner why do you book that um it was just really weird and then you had bandito in this long match and you never thought he was going to lose um, you had some weird finishes and just kind of okay matches. And then Santana at the end, you could have at least put him on the card to get a win to build him up to challenge for a world championship. It was like, I get that they have history, but just incredibly weak booking, incredibly weak production design. I'm hopeful. This was one of my like most anticipated shows that I can remember. Um, but I, I, I would genuinely say it was a near disaster in execution. Hopefully, though, that's because of other reasons, and hopefully they fix it. 
Okay, now Jimashi didn't see it, but bear me. I know you were hyped for Gresham Alexander too, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was it was a pretty good match. The the Moose Bennett one was a really weird one to me. I don't. I still don't quite get why they did that. But uh, let's see what else is on there. Oh, the the tag like the four like where you tag in the guy. It was like a fatal four way, but like a tag. That match was cool. Was elimination for the first one, then it was a yeah. threat. Yeah, that was a neat idea, yep. but it still kind of was executed yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, Grace and Kira Hogan, like, I mean, I didn't really care too much. But, and Santana, Santana coming out of the end was just really weird. Like, okay, that's cool. Like, I like Santana. I like Ortiz. Like, I like both those guys. But, like, even though Ortiz wasn't there, but I'm just saying, I like, both those guys. Santana, like, he's just not the big marquee name, you know, to come out and be like, oh, I want that belt too. But. I guess we'll see where we're, where they go from here because like they're gonna have their second one coming up and I hope it's uh, ran a little bit better. Like their audio on their stream was a little off at times and everything else, but it's a work in progress. It's their first show, so I don't want to really you know condemn them too much. Well, the flip side of that was the GCW show, the World on GCW, which was heavily promoted, heavily hyped. Uh, Cardona and Janela mirroring the randy savage rick flair she was mine first storyline uh gresham versus blake christian which ended up not happening because gresham couldn't make it jim is know you said that he and bandito seemed to be cursed after they interact with each other so uh but we got leo rush instead which was a lot of fun with blake christian the, the whole card overall was pretty good the look and feel in the hammerstein ballroom was awesome uh, i really liked how it was done the production value was easily their best the sound was easily their best but then the main event kind of soured it because you had the Briscoes come out and it was the main event, open challenge, and F FTR was the, the kind of the runaway guest, but they went with Matt Tremont and Nick Gage, two former GCW champions who were deathmatch kind of icons. And because things went long, they basically had like eight minutes and went to the finish early and then had a bad Nick Gage promo and that was it. Because they were on regular pay-per-view which has hard end times because you purchase time and that's it. And 11 o'clock happened, just like Furring of Honor, and it ended. And Red, I'll go to you first on that because I know you were kind of hype after that big show. It must be an awesome Briscoes match, and it really deflated, didn't it? I, I was speechless. Like, it went from hype for this, them boys going to sit there and tear the roof down, especially when Nick Gage came out. I was expecting a bloodbath, carnage, everything. Had a door get torn apart, and that was about it. Quick counter. Everything felt weird with that match with all the hype building up to it. Hell, they had a five-minute promo video that made it even more hyped of what it was going to be. And it, he said it sucked the air out of the room. I know uh, Brett Lauderdale said that he realized he screwed up some stuff. He's the head for GCW. He screwed some stuff up. He uh, knows he has to earn a second chance now because of that because uh, things went, went south. Things went wrong on some cases. I listened to Gresham on the Jericho podcast back before Terminus talking about match times and main event and stuff like that. And if you go long in the middle of the card, you eat away from the main event. And he remembers his match with Lethal at uh, Final Battle was 25 minutes, then it was 17, then it was 11, then it was 9, then they got back to 12. Like, that that's just stuff's getting chopped out of the match and you're trying to tell a story that takes this long. That's how these guys work. And that's what happened to the Briscoes, Nick Gage, and Tremont. Except they did their long entrances. They did their promos. Like, you could 
there's stuff they could have cut when you like hindsight's 2020 obviously and they will learn from this but this was their first time on traditional pay-per-view you got to play by those rules you're not doing it on fight going as long as you want which that's just how it is and there you go and the other part actually right i learned this afterwards is new york doesn't allow death matches like that so it would not have been a bloodbath because new york won't allow it so but you still could add like cactus jack triple h like 2000 royal rumble like you can still have hardcore violence but yeah they only go so far and yeah and that was it because none of the guys really watched it um i will say the cardona match probably went long because they had everything from hornswoggle come out to some really big guy fighting him a bit the marco stunt attacked the marco stunt getting more tv time done in AEW. but then there was a person in a motorcycle outfit with the helmet just like Edge was back at One Night Stand, and it was, you know, the Edge heads. Brian Myers came out and attacked, and it kept going. It's fun. It's, he had a, his Enter Sandman was actually by Downstate, I believe. <laughs> it was a remixed version of Enter Sandman, so they could get the Metallica rights because they just made their own version of Enter Sandman. The whole thing was pretty fun, but yeah, it was still indie as fuck as well in its own ways. They're, they're running into the big time, and they're getting smacked by it and they need to evolve or die. And that's what happened to ECW. So I think GCW can, because they're getting to this level, but they have to now. They can't just be like, oh, we're doing it our way. Mm, only so far. It, it, it'll, it'll encounter things where it won't work. Like, you can be the one and only for only so long and run into a roadblock, and yeah, that will cut you at the, cut you at the legs. So, But back to names, doing it your own way. Gunther is everyone's favorite wrestler, right, from Imperium. Bear me. Bear me. We get to see Finn Balor versus Gunther. <laughs> oh, what a joke. <laughs> they changed his name to that. They were switching out one name words for one name words. Like, they trademarked Gunther. Well, the first they trademarked Gunther Stark, which, is, which was a Nazi. But then they dropped that. And I don't get why they did this switch because they have Walter trademarked as well, or Volter. But I don't know. I don't know why they did this, and I probably now in the minority of I don't like it. But I really don't like it. It there, really rubs me the wrong way because now he's got to rebuild that name. Yeah, there so. are there are levels to it where I understand. Like obviously, the the joke is NXT gives you a new name. Kevin Steen becomes Kevin Owens. Owen is the name of his son. He gets the name there. Becky Lynch. Lynch was the name of the gym, so she connected that with a list of names you're approved for. Braun Breaker just came up with that on his own. But others like AJ Styles. Well, that's your name he carried in. Vader back in the day. And then John Cena is a real name. Randy Orton's a real name. Well, Volter has been his name on the indies for so long. And it's been this way in NXT for so long. And he even was on Survivor Series. And he was on, I think it was on SmackDown or Raw from England against Rollins at one point. He's been on North American NXT takeovers and NXT itself. Like, He's established this name here for so long, but now that he's moved to the States and had Walter's last stand, like, the next Tuesday, he changes it to Gunther. And I said this before the podcast, but if he was Gunther this whole time and they just did all that and changed it to Walter, we'd be like, well, that's weird. Why is he not being called Gunther anymore? Why is it just one name for another? So it's not like Gunther's a weird name or anything. It's just, I, I don't get why I do that after all that equity built up. Years and years and years, even beyond the independence, but in WWE as Walter, or Walter as you should be saying it, I don't get it. 
And yeah, they did drop the Stark thing. People are like, oh, how'd they not know? Well, I, I don't, again, the corporate apologist is here, but there are, there is a whole goddamn copyright trademark team that they have, presumably, because that's how this stuff works. Marvel has it, and like Universal Studios has it, so they have their own. And Gunther Stark, sounds good. And they have lists. They have lists of names they use, things that are trademarked or not trademarked, that kind of thing. They will get that part from creative and then go see what can we trademark on this. Cool, come back. Here's the list approved. The creative ones are the ones who are just gone, is this a bad name? It, should we even submit this to be put through forward? And that's where the ball got dropped. Or they thought, ah, whatever. Doesn't matter. It's just a name. Well, turns out it was the name of evil commander, like you said, from the Nazis. Yep. So the Stark part got dropped, they abandoned the trademark, and he's still Gunther. And then he had a promo talking about how he has to move on and go forward, and I felt it was a better promo to keep the name than it was to get rid of it, but I digress. I mean, looking back on it, I mean, Walter is a pretty, like, I know it's said differently in different countries, but here everyone's going to say, oh, that's Walter? That's a generic name. So I get that, and when you have Imperium, where you have uh, Bartel and Eichner, like, they have very more European names. Walter here would not seem like that, so I guess that's why they changed it. The Stark thing, uh, they should have looked it up and had better research and double-checked it. And, I mean, here's the thing. If anyone in NXT instantly knew that name, because I had no idea about that damn name, most people probably don't know about that name from someone 70, 80 years ago. Everyone can... Puts Adolf Z or oh my god, I almost said Ziggler. Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, you're right, you're right though, because there there is that that came up yeah. in our Discord. Someone found it. Adolf Ziggler is the name of a Nazi. Yeah, it's, it's Z I E G L E R. Now Ziggler is also a name that I know people in town here have that name because it's also just a name. Like some names die off. Like we, we don't have Hitlers, <laughs> really. That name they that family voluntarily ended. That's lineage, right? But Ziegler, yeah, it happens. There's going to be Starks. There's going to be Zieglers. It's a name. And Gunther is also a name. And this happened, I think it was more unfortunate. They weren't actively trying to make him be a Nazi. Because his wrestling's got history with that. You've got Samoan bulldozers. You've got goddamn terrorists and Nazis. You don't have to go back very far to get a Muhammad Hassan out of it, too. They've done this shit. But I don't think that's what this is. Because nothing about this character... I'll say it. Nothing about it was Nazi. So it just was an unfortunate happenstance of, ah, oh, crap. Uh, really? Who who didn't check that? And for all those saying they should have, it happens. And the funny thing is, we run a prediction league, for the most part, that has fictional names. My name's part of a company and also electronic piece. I did not know that. They're my initials. I came up with this name when I was like seven or eight years old playing Zelda. Like, CT, ironically, I looked up your name. You're an NFL, former NFL player. I did not know that. No, I actually am. Yeah, yeah, right? That's insane. And, like, I looked up just a few that are, like, similar names. James Costner and Angela Grace are doctors somewhere. Holy shit. Dude. We have a lot of crazy employees. Like, dude, wait till I tell you about what the name Jesus means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gives you beer I, instead of wine. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought he had something to do with wine. Not this one. Well, that's how it's his own character. <laughs> See, he trademarked it, so... 
let's be clear that this all like they never officially named him Gunther Stark. Like we all, yeah. everyone looked at the copyright and just put two and two together. They could have dropped that before they actually moved it on to Walter and on to Gunther. Like we don't know that's what they were going for. So Tr- I, I don't know. Take a while. I also think this whole conversation is just kind of like, like, yes, I agree with Scott. It's like definitely stupid. I don't get why you would do this fully, but at the same time, like it still is Walter. Like it still is possibly the best wrestler on the planet. The name is not going to be enough unless you let it to ruin him completely. Now, if no one can ever appreciate a Gunther match, let's say, and <laughs> without saying, oh, oh the name God. sucks, this is terrible, oh my God, I hate him, oh my God, I cannot believe they did this, he's ruined, then sure, I, I fully expect him to be mm-hmm. ruined. And I don't think he'll be booked anyway on the main roster. Well, I've said that before his name was changed, I've said that for months, but oh. like... I just don't see this as being enough to like ruin him. It's not like a terrible name even or anything. So I don't know. I think it's dumb that they would do it, but at the same time, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I just am really hoping in a year when he's having like a match of the year contendership, I hope I just don't go into like live event and discord. And everyone's like, Oh, a lol. I can't believe they changed his name. He's a Nazi. Like, I just hope we don't get to that point. I mean, it's also like the point of what the whole name changes in general. Does anyone remember? Oh, Shaughnessy of the last 15 years, man. I have no idea who that is. He must have done nothing. Sheamus won almost everything in WWE you could possibly imagine. Antonio Cesaro, I mean, he's killed it. Like, this happens all the time with names, and it doesn't devalue. It's what they do with it. I mean, So, I mean, it's just waiting. Maybe I'm not saying this, but I don't think the crowd's going like, to... This past week, I think he did a backstage from... I'm curious if the crowd's going to take over when he's in front of it and they just hear Walter chants the entire time. They're going to show Gunther that they don't want Gunther, they want Walter. But there's no difference. I think that that's kind of what Steve was saying. There is no difference. It's just the name. Right, but if you have always watched Gunther, or, or, sorry, if you've always watched Walter from his indies to, oh, and you always want Walter, and now with Gunther, and continue to chant Walter and don't let you change the name. Curious if it's going to change when he gets called to a main roster, because NXT and main roster are two different things in WWE's eyes. I agree. I just don't get why you wouldn't be able to not chant Walter. Like, I feel like if that's the case, the fans are stupid, and I don't care. We have some of the same people have said that they're ruining Tommaso Ciampa, and his gimmick is forever destroyed because he dyed his beard. For the main event match, yeah, that's the thing. They, they said they yeah. ruined his, his 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 character. Nothing's changed because Vince wants you to look younger. Yeah, that's what they're saying. I guess that's the thing. I know yeah. that, that there was the rumor that, or however you want to confirm it, because Scott Taylor said it, but um, that the the coaches were supposed to act younger as well and look younger and dye their hair. It's, oh, what's it matter? They're not on camera. It's all presentation. And as someone who deals with stuff and training and dealing with different teams and corporate, how you act affects those beneath you or those at least looking to you. This is a funny thing to say considering Vince McMahon's 80 years old on Raw, but that's still, that's the idea. Vince would never do anything, ask someone to do something that he wouldn't do. That's always been the thing, blah, 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 blah. But it's just a matter of how things are in perception. Is it kind of crazy? Yeah. (laughs) Like, absolutely, it's kind of bonkers that that's a thing to ask the coaches to do that. But that's, that's the mentality on it, like. I still see to this day people talking about how these people are getting released and, and things like that. And people say, oh, it's for no reason. No, they're giving reasons. You just don't like them. Don't. We just need people to be a little smarter about stuff with this. I, I That's all I think. Um, 
yeah, it's the the name thing. Like I said, that's just a matter of ownership. That's a matter of equity. It's a weird thing. Could it go back? Absolutely. Mustafa Ali got his name back. Buddy Murphy had it, lost it, got it back, lost it again. It reminds me of when people talk about how they want the old Facebook back whenever there's a Facebook change. Remember how goofy Braun Breaker sounded as a name? He's our Universal Rookie of the Year. It's been like six months. It'll be fine. <laughs> it, it, it won't be a thing. If, if CT, like CT said, if people are still bad-mouthing Walter because he doesn't have the name Walter, they have different problems. I mean, our favorite Shorty G is a tag team champion right now, right? Yeah, because he's Chad Gable again. We don't, we don't need to talk about that. I mean, Corbin technically went through three name changes this year. He was King Corbin, then like Bad Luck Corbin, and then now he's Happy Corbin. Yeah. So I mean, dude changes every time. Madcap it works. Yeah, it's it's fine. You want to talk about names? John Hannigan, Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, Johnny Impact, Johnny whatever. It's yeah, he's going by John Hennigan. Now. Johnny Drip Drip. Come on, yeah, yeah. like it, Woo, it's Drip Drip. It'll be fine. This is a weird thing. I I just don't. I I know I said it earlier, but it still is weird to take this name that you've built in your company. As someone who had a title for over 500 days, like, nah, different name now. For no real reason. And I'm saying that because they, they've had the promo. And he talked about why, but it it back it, it was so backwards. I, I'll eat my own words. It's a reason I don't agree with. <laughs> there was a reason, but I just, mm, it's weird. I, yeah, like, as far as for company-wise, I don't know why they would do that. but Because they want to own it universally, I guess. I don't know. His Twitter's even changed. It's no... A-U-T Gunther, I think. So, there you go. I kind of skipped it with the GCW stuff, but there was the whole Mox return, which was incredible and amazing. He came back and he swore on live TV, which was pretty hilarious, uh, dropping the F-bomb. And then Jericho had a shirt with the initials for that, which seemed like it was really poor timing because that should be Mox's shirt. Uh, and there was a chant at the GCW show because Bully Ray said that Mox should apologize to the fans for missing time. Not that he feels they deserve it, but it would be a good, good thing to do. And there was a fuck bully Ray chant during GCW because people are upset about bully saying this. And whatever. Like, <laughs> bully Ray is a heel. He's a heat magnet. He has some of the worst takes uh, compared to Booker T. But also, he gets it at the same time. Like, uh, I don't want to totally knock him. He does actually know his stuff in a lot of cases. And people just have impassionate takes when talking about wrestling for an hour or so, like we are. Stuff comes up. Stuff happens. So I, I don't really have much more to say about that, where he doesn't feel like Mox owed an apology, but it would have been nice to see. And I get that. It's not saying that Mox should have apologized for taking time off to get himself right, which like he, that's very clear. That's not what this was, and that's how some people took it. It's more a case of like, look, I'm sorry I let you down. I'm sorry I wasn't there. I had to do the right thing. I'm sure you understand. We're all good. That's more what he was looking for. And yeah, it'd be cool, but he kind of did that anyway. So I, I I, think it's a bit of a non-issue. I think Mox swearing on live TV is funnier, honestly. Go to TBS and he drops an F-bomb. That's pretty great. And yeah, the last thing is uh, Supercard for Ring of Honor is confirmed. We've got Gresham versus Bandito. I know... Uh, Bear me, you were talking about that, which one's champion or which isn't, because they never actually stripped Bandito of his title, and now they're both defending it, and he's got the world title, and Gresham's got the original world title, so title for title at Supercard of Honor, that is happening, that's coming up, that's been booked, tickets I think are available shortly, but they also announced they're doing a Hall of Fame, and 
I mean, they've just said it, and they're going to have, I think, an inductee announced one over the next five weeks, or when they start, there's going to be five of them. We can go into more detail later about that when we have more time, because they've just announced this, they're just talking about it, but... I like the idea that is more recognizing the history, so I know there's a lot of, you know, going into the past or moving forward, not looking back with Ring of Honor, so this kind of does that back and forth. I really do like that. They seem to be going that route. Um, like I said, I don't even want to dive into that into much detail, but I think in general people are happy to see Ring of Honor returning. We did mention a lot of Ring of Honor champions and Ring of Honor matches in our top stuff of 2021, so... I think we're all universally happy to have that as a fact because there was a period where we weren't quite sure even though we wanted to believe them. You never know, right? I mean, right now, I'm starting to get worried of their talent. I mean, a lot of them seem to be signing with Impact and uh, AEW right now, so we'll see what happens. Hey, they have Gresham. Gresham can go out and wrestle himself for an hour, and it'll be great. So, Not Bandito, yeah. though. That's, that's cursed. I hope the match is a pure rules match. I want to see Bandito do that. Oh, that'd be great. Him and Gresham and mm -hmm. your rules. That would be really, really good. Josh Woods, please sign back with him for the for fuck's sake. I want to see you for the world title, please. Oh, that'd be good, He's too. busy on Dark and losing in the opening match of Terminus, so I don't know if he will be. I mean, he's, he's losing to Sean Spears, who lost to uh, CM Punk in, like, a minute. So, you know, he's got his priorities of whatever they are. I don't even know. Two last things. One thing we kind of forgot about. The Royal Rumble is this weekend, but I'm going to pivot that over to talk about our league, the Frontline Prediction League, Frontline League on Twitter. You can like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel when you find that and see the weekly show Beerby and I do. Probably recording that tomorrow night. Uh, but that is got the Royal Rumble. Sign up for that. Get your picks in. Do all fun stuff. You might be hearing this after the fact. There's going to be stuff in February and March. We're doing a lot of stuff there. We are into our second year on that, so please do check that out. It is a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm just going to go around really quick. We're not going to talk about the Rumble much. I know we're all hyped for it. We talked about it a lot, but who do you think is going to win the Rumbles? GMST, I'm putting you on the spot. Who's winning the Rumbles? Um, That's really bad because I honestly don't know off the top of my head. I haven't been able to think about it much. Um, uh, Biggie, I guess. Biggie? Um, women's. Fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. Um, we all yeah. forgot it was here on our list. I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> uh, Rhea." Sure, maybe this time. Okay, Shana? yeah. I'm. I'll say mine. I think Big E's a pretty good pick. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards that. Uh, for the women's, I think they might do Bel Air for two in a row. I really do think they're going to pull that trigger, and she'll win that one. Uh, CT, what have you got? Uh, Bel Air and Big E. Though I do wish it was Brandy and Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Bear me, what about you? Uh, Bel Air and either Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns, whichever one loses their title. And, you're you're uh, thinking that? I know Red's been thinking that yep. same similar idea. Yeah, I'm going to uh, Brock Lesnar and Charlotte. I think Charlotte's going to win too. She's yeah. she going to her own opponent. That is something we haven't quite seen before. Um, and with the Elimination Chamber from Saudi, we could have a contender coming out of that. Could be the women. I I doubt the women will be in the chamber in Saudi Arabia. I just realized it as I'm Why? saying it. I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know. They seem mm. to be like pretty okay with they being in the chamber. I think I, that's yeah, right, right. I'd like to see that. 
I'd like to see them actually. Actually, Saudi. Off. If you told Saudi Arabia you could put six women into an elimination chamber and they don't <laughs> have the context of what that is, I'm sure they would do it. <laughs> okay, Dave Meltzer. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying. You say you put them in six cages, and I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. One for each, and then they come out and they fight each other. It's like, oh great, we'll put it on TV. Oh, even better. Oh, we're horrible people. We're horrible, horrible, horrible people. Uh, than the Saudi prince, though. At least we can all rest easy knowing that. That's true. That's true. We did have breaking news, after all, from Dynamite. It wasn't quite the Gargano thing that people were expecting. It was Danhausen showing up. Hell yeah. During the Orange Cassidy, Adam Cole lights out match. He does have history with Danhausen, yes, but after months of the Ass Boys stuff, they didn't debut him opposite the Ass Boys. The Gun Club. I, um, that's AW. I don't, I'll wait and see. I won't judge it too harshly, but that, what are you doing? I don't understand that. Red, you're happy though? I'm getting a chance somewhere outside of ROH where the eyes can be on more. Um, uh, AW, I don't think he's going to star, whereas I think he'd be a star in Impact. We go where the get a big contract, take it. He did kind of talk himself into it, it sounds like, with, with the Ass Boy stuff and the promotional stuff. Like, it, it really, I think, is a better fit for what the kind of the audience is. I think it'll work. But GMSG, I think you and I are both agreeing, he's going to be on Dark before long, right? I love the guy. He's a great character. He, he puts himself over. But Orange Cassidy's a better wrestler than him. And Orange Cassidy does he doesn't get much anyway. So like, I just don't, his ceiling's not going to be like, it's done almost like he's a gimmick character. Unless he gets a brute guy with him. I don't see him getting gold there or like being pushed in main events or major pay-per-view spots, unless he's with a group of people. So, I mean, he could team with Cassie and them and best friends and do what they do every couple of months and be in a small feud. But, I just see him being on dark, and it makes me sad. He's going to get money, and that's great for him and his family, but he could go for X Division title easily in Impact, and I don't think anyone would be mad. NWA, he, oh my god, if he was with anyone, it would be great. Just how different that would be in NWA. GCW, he was doing well there at times with shows. ROH, when they come back, but... Him and Cardona for the Impact... Um digital media championship that would have been great mm-hmm. oh oh my god those two would be fan favorites yeah now he's Though, still Jim, Jim, this does mean that Danhausen very easily could join chaos and join new japan pro wrestling it's like there's a chance then so but. so you're telling me that we could have Danhausen versus okada on rampage new japan steal him well dark elevation but sure scott could yeah. you imagine him and cobb I don't want to see him die. <laughs> what, Dan Housen or Okada? Yeah. Oh, you, oh, we could have didn't know GMSG turned on Dan Housen, wants him to wow. die. Him, hey, him and Suzuki would be awesome, too. He would dance with him. Dan Housen <laughs> would take a very nice, very evil tour of the islands. <laughs> well, Imagine well, G.O.D. reacting to him. Well, they're in Impact now, so... Clearly things keep happening even while we record this, so... I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been very long, very nice, very evil podcast, and we will cut it there. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, for listening to this long, long one. It is Top of the Card Pod on Twitter, 
I almost said Facebook. I always seem to almost say Facebook. I don't know why. But it is on Twitter. It is also wherever you find your podcasts on Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, all that fun stuff. And yeah, we'll see you again in two weeks. Have fun with the Rumble. Have fun with Vengeance Day when it's in February. I think that's the next one we talk about. We'll get. It's almost February. This year's going too fast. We got stuff to write. We got a Rumble this weekend for Frontline League. It's crazy. It's nuts. But I thank everybody again for listening. Have a good night.